COVID-19 on the front lines. As the number of new COVID-19 infections continues to decrease and the United States begins to open back up, it's important to note that there are patients who have survived COVID but are still suffering. Shortness of breath, brain fog, and fatigue are just a few of the numerous symptoms that just won't seem to go away. So what is the research on discovering the why of these symptoms and what to do about them? Coming to you from the ReachMD studios, this is COVID-19 on the front lines. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and joining me today is vascular biologist Dr. William Lee. Dr. Lee is the president of the Angiogenesis Foundation and author of the New York Times bestselling book, Eat to Beat Disease. Dr. Lee, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Wilner. It's a pleasure to be back. So, Dr. Lee, the last time we spoke in 2020, we discussed your New England Journal of Medicine article that demonstrated the blood vessel damage that COVID can cause. It's more than a year now since we recognize this disease, and we're seeing something new, what has been termed COVID long haulers, people who continue to have symptoms even after the acute infection is resolved. Can you tell us what we've learned about COVID-19's long-term effects on our vascular system? Yeah, Dr. Wilner, this is a big topic and it's getting bigger every day. Here's basically what we do know. We know that most people who have been infected by COVID recover, at least in the short term. And in the very beginning of the pandemic, which seems so long ago because we've all been kind of held in thrall for seemingly forever, we thought it was really only vulnerable people who got very sick. We thought it was the elderly. We thought it was the morbidly obese. We thought of people with diabetes and other underlying illnesses. But it turns out that pretty much anybody can get COVID. So our appreciation and understanding of the natural history of COVID acute infection has changed. And we know that anybody can get it, children can get it, young people, adolescents. That's the fastest growing uh, group now, adolescents and young adults, and of course, older people. Now the vaccine has altered the landscape, meaning that we've got 50% and growing. More than half of the United States have had adults that are fully vaccinated. We are in a completely different place in this country in terms of acute infection. However, the lessons from last year, people who were infected and have recovered, which is most of the people, are now starting to come to life in a brand new way. And this is what you're talking about, referring to long COVID or the patients called themselves long haulers after the truck drivers that carry a load across the country, you know, driving seemingly forever. These are people who have recovered. Many of them actually got COVID back in March of 2020. They got better after a few weeks, maybe after a month. And then three, two, three, four, five, six months, even nine months later, they develop these odd constellation of symptoms that are called long COVID. And in fact, the NIH convened a workshop to examine it called post-acute sequelae of COVID, PASC, P-A-S-C. So what is long COVID? It is every bit as mysterious now as acute COVID was to the world in March of 2020. We are seeing brain fog. We are seeing tachycardia, racing of the heart. We are seeing abnormalities in the muscles, extreme muscle weakness, fatigue. We are seeing shortness of breath that is not explained by a chest X-ray or even a CT scan. We are seeing gastrointestinal problems. We are seeing uh, endocrine hormonal differences, including Addison's-like symptoms. And just reported recently, we're, we're beginning to hear about erectile dysfunction 
function and finding virus particles actually in the penis that have embedded itself for long-term in patients who have recovered from COVID. So lots of new things. Over 100 symptoms seem to characterize long COVID. There's no diagnosis. There's no ICD number. There's no billing code for it. There really isn't even a diagnostic criteria yet for this long COVID or PASC, as we're calling it. There's certainly no treatment. So what I wanted to kind of share with you is you started this question by asking, what are we finding out from the vascular side? There are three cardinal things that we know, considering we know so little about long COVID. We know that in people who have long COVID, over 100 different symptoms, they have continued microvascular damage, endothelial damage, damage to small blood vessels and the lining of blood vessels. Number two, there's damage to the nerves, both in the brain, in the central nervous system, as well in the peripheral nervous system. And you're a neurologist. This is an area of interest to you. And the third is there's chronic inflammation and it can be low grade and it seems to be attached to some sort of autoimmune phenomenon. So these are the three legs of the stool, vascular damage, neurological damage, and chronic inflammation autoimmunity. So say I'm a patient, I had COVID three months ago and I'm just dragging, you know, I can't think straight and I don't have the energy I used to. Maybe I'm better, maybe I'm not better. Uh, what do I do? How do I find out if I have this long COVID or not? Yeah, you know, the, the thing is that if you had COVID or even some people who weren't able to get a test early on, but still don't feel right. And all you have to do is to type long COVID on the internet and look at all the reports. There is an excellent patient advocacy group called Survivor Core, C-O-R-P that actually is brought together through social media, thousands, tens of thousands of patients, you can see what other people are reporting. And if you actually have any doubt, you should talk to your regular doctor, your primary care doctor, your GP, and let them know that you are concerned about this. Now, six months ago, physicians were not aware or as aware of long COVID or PASC. Now, I think increasingly everybody's radar is on. So we now are trying to look for problems that may be long COVID. And you may need, of course, a regular physical exam, blood test. But in case it thwarts the usual diagnosis, there are COVID, long COVID rehab centers that are being set up. And even though they don't have the exact answers, they are actually gathering expertise on how to diagnose and manage this condition. You're an expert in blood vessels, you know, which go everywhere in the body. Most people are familiar with, you know, atherosclerosis, hardening of the arteries. It's a risk factor for heart attack and stroke and death. Now, you mentioned that COVID can affect the blood vessels. Could that sort of add to atherosclerosis as a risk factor for these kinds of diseases? You know, it's a great question, Dr. Wilner, and it's something that I'm actually working on now. What is the long-term consequences of having been infected by the coronavirus and developing COVID? We know there's vascular damage. One of the questions is, does the body repair that vascular damage? We know that blood vessels will repair themselves. We have stem cells that actually repair blood vessels over time. But, you know, to the extent that people are having long hauler syndrome, long COVID, you know, this might be chronic endothelial damage over a long period of time. And that's very similar to atherosclerosis, hyperlipidemia, you know, that those lead to calcification of the plaques in the arteries, which lead to dangerous plaque rupture, which can cause heart attack and strokes. And the other thing that it's actually of concern is actually endothelial damage and chronic inflammation are setups for cancer. And another question is now being raised as a specter. So we don't know this yet, but it's a research question is, what are the consequences of long-term endothelial damage and long-term chronic inflammation in terms of cancer risk? 
or maybe a cancer patient who actually also got COVID and has recovered from it, is there any risk that this could provoke the malignancy to come back or for new malignancies to grow? We don't know this yet. We've only had, you know, 14 or 15 months of experience with this disease. So we are really early. We're still in the infancy of understanding this condition. For those just tuning in, you are listening to COVID-19 on the front lines on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and I'm speaking with Dr. William Lee about COVID-19 long haulers. So, Dr. Lee, looking beyond the vascular system, we know COVID-19 affects many organs. Now, as a neurologist, I'm aware of the, the brain fog symptom and people having trouble concentrating and, of course, strokes. And it's a it's a little bit of a mystery. You know, and every subspecialist kind of has their own view on this, their own particular lens. So how does the healthcare community get together and try and figure out, you know, what to do about COVID-19? long-haul symptoms? You know, our experience last year has united the medical community and the medical research community in a way that I haven't seen in 20 or 30 years. And I think that we are now realizing that there's no single specialty that owns COVID. We have to collaborate together and share experiences. And so although medicine itself is highly specialized and there are so many silos and specialties that historically haven't really communicated with one another, I think the the management of long COVID is going to require that we link our and really begin sharing experiences and sharing data. I'll tell you something really interesting. Of all the organs that have been infected from head to toe, brain, nose, smell organ, throat, lungs, heart, gut, muscles, even bone, you know, skin have all been affected by COVID. The one organ that does not seem to, does not seem to have been affected by COVID is the retina, the back of the eye, the neuroretina and the retina. Even though there's plenty of blood vessels feeding the back of the eye, it seems to have somehow been exempt from acute damage when you first get infected, and there hasn't been any reports of long COVID affecting the back of the eye. I work with ophthalmologists and neuro-ophthalmologists and retinal specialists, and I think there's something really interesting about an organ that doesn't seem to have suffered damage when all the rest of the body seems to have. And this is an example of where we need to come together and compare notes. Lastly, Dr. Lee, if we bring all of this together, what are some key points you'd like our listeners to take away from this discussion? Well, we're both physicians. I think we have a uh, pledge that we made when we entered the field of medicine to really do the best for our patients. And so, you know, number one, I think that if you're listening to this and you have been fully vaccinated, congratulations, you know, you're on the other end of the line now. And now we can start to get back to figuring out how to reclaim our lives. If anybody who's listening hasn't gotten vaccinated yet, I will tell you as a researcher, the vaccine is something that's very important to consider getting. Everybody has their own decisions to make, but really crossing that line puts you onto the side of being able to move forward and not be afraid of this disease. There are so many things about this disease we don't know. And so I think that that's one thing I want people to recognize is the value of the vaccine is uncontestable in terms of being able to move forward. Number two, I think that we've learned lessons from this that we never learned before, which is how vulnerable our body is. I wrote a book called Eat to Beat Disease, and food is our medicine that we do take. And during the last year, when there were no medicines, no treatments, no vaccines, no antivirals for COVID, we all had our food to be able to eat at home. And so, you know, my book, Eat to Beat Disease, just is scratches the tip of the iceberg, but worth people to read to understand how we can actually use food to enhance our immunity, lower inflammation, protect our blood vessels. These are all kind of the cardinal things that are important for our health going forward. And the third thing I think is that we are going to go regain our lives. We're not going backwards, we're going forwards. Somebody once said to me, you know, after the 1918 flu, nobody said in 2020, 
1920, how do we get back to 1912? Everybody said, how do we go forward into the roaring 20s? And after World War II, nobody said, you know, like, how do we get back to 1930? Everybody said, how do we move forward into the 1950s? And so I think this is where we are as well. What have we learned in the last year is that, you know, we have the science to be able to confront a threat that we haven't seen before, take it apart, find out what it's doing to the body, quickly pivot to figure out how we can protect ourselves in the best way possible. And I think because this is not the last pandemic that we're going to have, we are now in a position to be able to protect ourselves better for the next one that could come down the pike. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Lee, for joining me today and sharing what we currently know and where research is headed. Dr. Lee, it was great having you on the program. Always a pleasure, Dr. Wilner. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner. To access this and other episodes in our series, visit ReachMD.com slash COVID-19, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.